Hi, this is Dr. Daniel Keenan coming to you from Arcana Laboratories in Little Rock, Arkansas with the first installation of the Frontlines Research Minute. Apolipoprotein L1, or ApoL1, has become a hot topic in kidney disease over the last few years. I'm going to give you a brief background overview of some important molecular aspects of ApoL1 and then present some clinical research that examines the incidence of ApoL1 genetic variants in patients with focal segmental glomerulosclerosis and HIV-associated nephropathy. ApoL1 is a minor apoprotein component of HDL, or high-density lipoprotein, which is synthesized in the liver and also in many other tissues, including pancreas, kidney, and brain. ApoL1 has secreted and non-secreted forms and is also expressed in vascular endothelium, liver, heart, lung, placenta, podocytes, proximal tubules, and arterial cells. In addition to its role in HDL, it also plays roles in autophagic cell death and innate immunity. ApoL1 is found only in primates and arose in human ancestors following a gene duplication event from a multi-gene family in which this gene encodes the only protein isoform with an N-terminal signal peptide, which enables extracellular secretion. The N-terminal domain of ApoL1 has structural and functional similarities with the pore-forming domain of some bacterial colicins. The pore-forming activity of ApoL1 is selective for anions, particularly chloride anions, and the pore-forming domain alone can kill bacteria via membrane depolarization. The protein is a 398 amino acid protein that consists of five functional domains. There's the secretory signal peptide domain that enables secretion, the membrane addressing domain, which has pH sensor functionality and also regulation of cell death, the BH3 domain, which is associated with programmed cell death, the pore-forming domain, called PFD, and a C-terminal coil-coil protein interaction domain that consists of the C-terminal 70 amino acids that confers resistance to pranosome brucei and is also the center of the story around ApoL1's role in kidney disease. And this is what I'm going to talk about mostly. The protein has a secreted form that allows it to circulate in the blood. The secreted ApoL1 forms a complex with HDL3 particles. It is a member of BCL2 genes which are involved in autophagic cell death. In fact, an overabundance of ApoL1 within a cell results in autophagy. ApoL1 has a role in innate immunity by protecting against Trypanosoma brucei infection, which is a parasite transmitted by the tsetse fly and causes African sleeping sickness. Trypanosomes endocytose the secreted form of ApoL1, and then ApoL1 forms pores on the lysosomal membranes of the trypanosomes, which causes an influx of chloride, swelling the lysosome and resulting in lysis of the trypanosome. Some trypanosome subspecies have developed partial resistance to lysis by ApoL1. One example of this is the so-called serum resistance-associated protein, or SRA, found in Trypanosoma brucei rudesiens. SRA pre prevents lysis mediated by ApoL1 by binding to its C-terminal coil-coil domain, and this has been described by others as a molecular arms race between humans and pathogens. 
Some human populations have developed ApoL1 variants that overcome trypanosome resistance by disrupting the protein-protein interaction between ApoL1 and SRA, specifically by altering the structure of the C-terminal alpha helices preventing the coil-coil interaction. Two such altered forms of ApoL1 are the so-called G1 and G2 alleles for genotypes 1 and 2. G1 has two missense codons, one replacing a serine with a glycine at position 342, and the other replacing an isoleucine with a methionine at position 384. Modeling these mutations predicts that the serine to glycine at position 342 destabilizes the alpha helical structure of the C-terminal domain, and in fact, rare variants have been described that contain only the serine to glycine at position 342 that behave similarly to the double mutation. So the isoleucine to methionine mutation probably is a conservative change and has no phenotypic effect. The G2 allele is a six-nucleotide inframe deletion that results in loss of two amino acids consisting of asparagine 388 and tyrosine 389. This would result in a phase shift of the helix face and note that both of these genotypic variations fall within the C-terminal alpha helix spanning residues 329 to 398 and modeling these amino acid sequence variations predicts that both G1 and G2 will destabilize the C-terminal alpha helix, and thus both of these variants will be predicted to disrupt protein-protein interactions mediated by this domain. So to restate the molecular arms race, ApoL1 provides some degree of innate resistance to trypanosome infection. Some trypanosomes have managed to overcome ApoL1-mediated lysis, by selection of a resistance protein that mediates protein-protein interactions with the C-terminus of ApoL1, and some human populations have overcome the resistance protein by selection for G1 and G2 alleles of ApoL1 that alter the C-terminal domain so that it can no longer be bound by the trypanosome resistance factor, thereby restoring resistance. Not surprisingly, given the tremendous selection pressure applied to African populations by trypanosome infections over very long time spans, the G1 and G2 alleles of ApoL1 are found virtually exclusively in individuals of African ancestry. Individuals that are heterozygous for either ApoL1, G1, or G2 are resistant to infection by Trypanosoma brucei rhodesiens. The problem is, is that individuals that are homozygous for either G1 or G2 have a significantly increased risk of kidney disease. The same applies to individuals that are doubly heterozygous for G1 and G2. So the protection from trypanosome infection conferred by the G1 and G2 alleles comes at a cost. Now let's switch gears to discuss the role of ApoL1 risk variants in kidney disease, and in particular, a study that attempts to quantify the increased risk of kidney disease that is conferred by the G1 and G2 risk alleles. I'm going to briefly summarize a clinical research paper that was published in the Journal of the American Society of Nephrology in 2011, volume 22, page 2129, entitled ApoL1 Genetic Variants in Focal Segmental Glomerulosclerosis and HIV-Associated Nephropathy. Jeffrey Kopp is the corresponding author of this multi-institutional study. The study includes three case control groups, two of which were self-described as African-American and one of which was self-described as European-American. Cases included African-Americans with biopsy-proven FSGS uh, for a total of 217 cases, or biopsy-proven HIV-associated nephropathy, defined histologically as HIV-associated collapsing glomerulopathy, of which there were a total of 54 participants, 
and European Americans with biopsy-proven FSGS, of which there were a total of 168 participants. The cases and controls are part of the NIH FSGS genetic study from 22 academic medical centers in the United States. They determined ApoL1 genotypes for the total 1,378 American study participants, including the individuals that I just described, as well as the case controls. Of these, 891 were African-American and 487 were European-American. Of the African-American group, 217 had primary FSGS with 383 normal controls, and 54 had HIV-associated nephropathy with 237 HIV-positive so-called hypernormal controls defined as individuals with HIV disease for greater than eight years and lacking evidence of chronic kidney disease. Of the European-American group, 168 had primary FSGS with 319 normal controls. The data in this paper are presented in a number of tables and graphs that don't lend themselves well to description in a podcast, so I will summarize the findings here and urge listeners to check out this important paper on their own. The most important findings are, one, the G1 and G2 alleles are strongly associated with HIV-associated nephropathy and primary FSGS, with odds ratios of 29 for HIV-associated nephropathy and 17 for primary FSGS. There is a 50% lifetime incidence for HIV-associated nephropathy among HIV-infected African Americans containing two ApoL1 risk alleles who are not receiving antiviral therapy. As a brief aside, in our practice, we don't see very many cases of HIV-associated nephropathy among patients who are on antiviral therapy which has been a big change from when we first began to see cases of HIV-associated nephropathy. Two, the age at onset is significantly earlier for G1 and or G2 homozygotes or compound heterozygotes carrying two risk alleles. Three, kidney survival is significantly shorter for individuals with primary FSGS that carry two risk alleles. Four, in the G1 haplotype that contains two amino acid variants, serum 342 to glycine, and the isoleucine 384 to methionine, the serine 342 to glycine allele likely conveys all of the risk, as rare variants with only the serine to glycine polymorphism behave similarly to G1. 5. The glucocorticoid sensitivity is similar for individuals with two risk alleles as for individuals with no risk alleles. 6. Both the G1 and G2 risk alleles are widely distributed across sub-Saharan Africa, and both G1 and G2 are absent from populations outside of sub-Saharan Africa and in populations without African ancestry. Future studies will be required to understand the mechanism by which ApoL1 risk alleles cause kidney disease and the role of ApoL1 genotyping in early detection of kidney disease and clinical management decision-making. Thank you.